the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today as we are each and every day on Southern California Live from 3 to 5 p.m. We look at today's issues in the news and around the country and in the church, anywhere there are issues, where there are always issues. We look at those things from a Christian and biblical perspective. And in just a minute, we're going to be joined by Pastor Jack Hibbs to talk about some very important matters that voters need to understand in the upcoming election. When is the midterm election, you might ask? Well, if you look at a calendar, it might tell you it's November 8th, but it's not. The midterm election begins October 10th, less than two weeks from today. Two weeks from yesterday is... The election. The reason why is that you're going to get your ballot in the mail and early voting begins October 10th. You will be able to vote in person or mail in your ballot beginning then. And so it's important that right now we understand what the issues are. It's important that right now we realize that this election is actually just two weeks away, that people will be voting. And one of the things that happens, this happens in any election, is that people who are running for office or people who are promoting different things that are propositions on the ballot, for example, They will promote them with a certain spin that often is very inaccurate or designed to fool you into voting one way or another. There's a lot of different ways that happens. And early voting makes it even worse because you don't often hear both sides of an argument until late October. And by then you've already voted. Maybe half the audience has already voted. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to be on the ball. And this is very important where we have some very important issues on the ballot. Proposition one is being presented as an amendment to the California Constitution that would simply codify California's current laws related to abortion. But this is not correct. That's what's being said. It is not correct. It's a big deal. We want you to understand what Proposition 1 actually does. And with me to help explain this is Pastor Jack Hibbs. Jack Hibbs is the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, and the host of Real Life Radio. Pastor Jack, thanks for joining us today on Southern California Live. Listen, Scott, thanks for having me, and I want to commend you for your boldness, because uh, this particular uh, effort to stop Prop 1 has struck a nerve, and um, so I'm grateful for you. Well, thank you, Jack. I'm thankful for what you're doing. Hey, Jack, help us understand this, because in some way, this is not your typical pro-life versus pro-choice argument, is it? No, it's not, Scott. And as I'm going to explain it right now, there is a high probability of your listeners not believing it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say that up front right now. And how do I know this? Because the more pastors I talk to, the greater reach that we have in California. In fact, I, I was late getting to you a moment ago because I was just on a national broadcast regarding Prop 1, and they can't believe it. And That's here right. it is. Yeah. That Gavin Newsom and his uh, Democrat majority in Sacramento, they anticipated the Roe v. Wade being overturned, and they were not going to wait around and, and get caught off guard. So what they did is they crafted quite a while ago, Scott, 
what is now known as Proposition 1. So in other words, they were gearing up to enshrine uh, this act. And I'm, I'm not even calling it abortion. It's abortion plus. How about that? Abortion plus. Yeah, because. I think people need to understand, right, that they're what they're saying is they're just codifying existing law, but that's not true. You're exactly correct. This is what it is. It's abortion, uh, not only up until birth, but it's also known as birthday abortion. You say, what does that mean? On the day of the baby's birth, the baby can still be denied life. And here's what they've learned. And you, you may remember this. In AB 2223, mm-hmm. uh, the Democrat legislature got busted in Sacramento. I led 3,000 people at the steps there uh, making this public that um, perinatal. This particular abortion, this stuff, perinatal, means infanticide. And the Democrat Party told us, no, it doesn't. Right. Well, lo and behold, it did. Well, they got too much in the details, Scott, in 2223. So what they did with Prop 1, now the devil is not in the details. They've left it very vague so that the mother can decide to exterminate the child's life even after birth. Here it comes, everybody. Listen for it. And this Proposition 1, if passed, ties the hands of law enforcement. There can be no investigation, and there, can, and there does not have to be a coroner's report filed if a child is found dead seven days after birth, 12 days after birth, three hours after birth. There's no accountability whatsoever. It is literally hard to believe. No state in our nation's history has ever had the gall to do what Newsom and his people are doing now with Prop 1. It is, uh, you know, you talk about it being hard to believe, and one of the things that we've done here on our program is we wanted to let people know, and I'll send it to you if you want to send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. There are medical journal writings about post-abortion, post-birth abortion, okay? There is the idea that basically any any child that is, any reason for abortion before birth is the same reasons still apply even after birth up to, you know, 30 days or something, uh, maybe even longer. This is not some weird fringe internet group of people. This is actually discussed in medical journals, and I can send you those articles if you want. Prop 1, how does Prop 1 in enshrine late-term abortions like you're describing um, because they're saying it doesn't. They're saying it just codifies existing California law. Existing California law says that once the child is viable, which is around 24 weeks, a late-term abortion cannot be done except for life of the mother or extreme circumstances. Yeah, so Scott, you know this well. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, did it change the abortion laws of California? Not at it all. It did not. Not at all. Roe v. Wade had nothing to do didn't apply in California because we were a state that was already wired that way. So what's going on right now is the question should be asked by every thinking Californian. Why, why codify, why amend the state constitution and enshrine forever abortion to the extreme, abortion plus, birthday abortion? Why? What's the deal? What's going on? What is the agenda I think, correct me, Scott, if I'm wrong, I've been traveling, Uh, but I think Newsom signed something like 11 or 12 uh, bills into law that um, all have to do with abortion and uh, 
what they call predict, per, productive rights. That's right, right? reproductive rights. There were 12, 12 or 13, I think, yesterday. Yeah, doesn't that sound nice, reproductive rights? Gee, who's, who's, not, who's not for reproductive rights? Right. Well, for crying out loud, it means anything but that. That's what Californians need to wake up about, and I'm afraid, Scott, that they just don't see it. I don't know what our problem is, but the, the words and the crafting of these bills, and it's going to appear on the ballot where, oh, that's nice. Maybe I should vote yes on that, when in reality, you are actually doing the opposite of a biblical worldview. God says, speak up for those who have no voice to those who are destined to be crushed. I mean, think of that. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1 says, Woe unto those who craft uh, laws that bring mayhem upon the people. This is it. So the only thing that we can do, Scott, is what you and I need to shout from the rooftop, Vote no on Prop 1. Go to StopProp1.com. StopProp1.com. Find out everything you can. Tell your friends. Show them videos. But this is something where if pastors and Christians don't get with it and, and, and do righteousness now regarding this, you said it nine days away, ten days away, we're going to start voting. That's right. My goodness, Scott, if we lose this opportunity to do righteousness, I fear, with Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson said, I fear that the wrath of God will not sleep forever. I don't know what's going to happen if pastors don't speak up from every pulpit in this state regarding Prop 1. I think people need to understand the truth, including pastors who, you know, when it's being presented as we're just codifying California law, which is what's typically presented, you feel like, well, we're we're not going to win this vote and it won't really change anything. But I think people need to understand that there are a lot of things that this implicates. But the biggest thing is, in fact, most Californians actually don't agree with what's being proposed. Up to 80 percent of Californians, even pro-choice liberal Democrats, do not agree with late-term abortions. <laughs> they do not agree. They think that that is the evil. I mean, people will we have agreement actually in the state And what I think is happening, right, is that they're pushing something on our state and pretending they're not doing that, but they are, something that we would not vote for if it was clear. Well, Scott, thank you very much, because you just quoted our own Rasmussen poll that we did not too long ago. And you're right, just over 79 percent of uh, voters, that's Democrat or Republican, now remember, you got to remember, in California, 79% of the voter is heavily Democrat. That's correct. The Democrats, the voting Democrat uh, citizens said, wait a minute, that's too far. Prop 1 is too extreme. When it was explained to them in the Rasmussen poll that we commissioned, 79% of California voters said, no way. That's right. And I think that's something for, for churches or people who are in favor of life, to be able to say, even to their, their pro-choice friends, to say, hey, this is not about legalizing abortion. This is about ending the life of children in the last trimester up to the point of birth. And you're not for that, are you? Like, where do we—I think it's an opportunity for us to say, where are we going to draw this line? Isn't this a place we can all agree to draw the line? And I, I think that's a big deal for our state right now, and we need to know that's what this is about. Well, Scott, again, I so appreciate you, because think of the jurisdiction of your broadcast right now. Think of the reach that your show has, and and 
Los Angeles is one of the epicenters, supposedly, of the big Democrat vote, right? You've got That's Pocket, right. you've got San Francisco, you've got Oakland, you've got uh, San Diego, you've got Los Angeles, which is massive. So here's the deal. If, if a Democrat's listening right now, or if somebody knows a Democrat, you've got to bring this up to them about Prop 1. And you've got to ask them, it's okay, if you want to be a Democrat, it's a free country. But do you think this is right? Do you think that killing a baby at the time of birth is acceptable? And then not only, not only that, but to then make it the law. Mm-hmm. Are you really okay with that? And if people go and vote, if they just go out and vote one issue, and it's this one, hey, we'll take it. I think God might, I think God might show mercy. I think God might step in. I think God always moves with a few. But this is something where we've got a benefit, as you so rightly pointed out, nearly 80% of people think it's wrong. Here's my passion, Scott. Will you please, people, go and vote? Will you register to vote? Will you go and vote? Will you start voting now? And here's the deal. People are saying, Scott, to me, Pastor Jack, I'm with you all the way, but the cheat is so big in California, my vote won't count. Well, guess what? Let's say it is. I'm not going to say it is, but let's just say it is. If everybody got out and voted, no matter how big the cheat would be, they can't stop when the vote is that big. That's right. If if everybody did the right thing by voting, there is nobody that can cheat enough to pull it off. That's right. We would win. Righteousness would prevail. Babies would be saved. And God might smile once again, maybe, on California if we did the right thing. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Pastor Jack Hibbs. We're talking about Proposition 1. Proposition 1 is being presented as an amendment to the California Constitution that would simply codify California's current laws related to abortion. But this is not true. It, and uh, many newspapers, and we, we've talked about people on the left and people who might normally vote in favor of abortion candidates, that they are even asking questions. Why didn't you include these restrictions on late-term abortions, on viability, on things that are already in liberal California left-wing law? Why, why do you think those things, Jack, were not included? It seemed like a simple thing to do, an easy argument to make. Oh, we're just codifying current law. Why did they leave it out? I think they left it out because they've got an agenda that uh, is, is one that, for them, vagueness is power because they have such a stronghold on these positions of power that they have figured in their minds that for them to enshrine this, they don't want people to find out about it. They don't want people to know about it. And so let's make it as vague as possible because we already know how we're going to interpret this. And we'll, we'll spin it to the people as though it's palatable and it's just, and it's just codifying our present day laws when in reality, that's not true. And right. you said it right. They are lying, and they do not. They're, look, they're banking on you not questioning their statement. They're banking on you trusting them. And if we look under the hood, we're going to find out that it's rat-infested and something's got to be done about it. So this is a tremendous it's, – it's not just politics in California – um, it's almost as a, a sleight of hand, a magician's act, is what we're looking at in the presentation of Prop 1. Yeah, and, you know, I, I went to the, to the yes side and check, checked it out to see if they even address it. And they do have one statement about it 
Current law mentions time constraints for an abortion. This is what they say, but Prop, Prop 1 does not. Why? And this is what they say. They say that viability, which is what the state law says. Now, if you look anywhere, anywhere in California law, anywhere what people say, viability is 24 weeks. It's, it's very well established. They say it's yeah. very complex. It's different for each pregnancy. It's best to be evaluated in the context of a trusted relationship, parent mm-hmm. and clinician. And then they say we must all work to combat misinformation and disinformation about reproductive health care, not abortion, because I don't want to say that word. Uh, statements about and then they say abortion until birth are unscientific and crafted to polarize and politicize the conversation about abortion what people need to understand is this is abortion up until birth. That's exactly what it is. It's not convoluted. It's not complex. That's what this is. Yeah, it's amazing. I love how you put that because, number one, to start out with, they're muddying up the water. But the funny thing is their argument uh, when they say it's not this, well, that's exactly what it is. Right. And they're saying that what's hilarious. And they're saying, and you're spreading misinformation. And, you know, that's the, the key thing today, right, isn't it? Uh, well, we want to well, be. You know, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because for them, the truth is misinformation. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says in the last days, good will be evil, evil, evil will be good, light will be dark, dark will be light. Well, for them, oh, that's misinformation. When you talk to them, it doesn't even equate to them. When you when you speak or debate the issue with them. Uh, they are, they'll accuse me of the very thing that they're doing, but they don't see it on them when they wear it. Well, there's, they project it. It's absolutely yeah. remarkable, convoluted thinking. Well, we've said a lot on this program that these things that really don't make a lot of sense, it's because it is spiritual. And this is, a, this is an attack. This is a spiritual attack. And we need to look at it that way and have compassion on people who are deceived. And, right. and realize that the they that you're talking about in California is actually a very small number, and we we need to understand that we can clarify what is accurate and ask Californians to draw a line, even people who are completely pro-choice and have always been on that side, to really say, do you really believe that for any reason at all, uh, an unborn child can be, can, the life can be taken away right up until the moment of birth? Do you really believe that for any reason? Not life, not extreme reasons, but just because I decided I don't want to have a baby anymore. Well, I, I tell you, brother, well said. And um, on our staff at church, we've got a beautiful family who their baby was born at 22 weeks. And yes. that baby was was one of the miracles, you know, the, that's a, that 22 weeks, 23 weeks. That's insane. That little guy now is running around church. He's five years old. and He's absolutely perfect. Me, on the other hand, I'm 64 years old, but I, I'm a survivor of a failed abortion. And so people might say, well, you know, that's you weren't viable. Well, wait a minute. Viable to who? My dad didn't want me and my mom was terrified to keep me. So who determines what viable is? Right. I, I thought I thought we live in an age when, when a 22-week-old kid could be born. He's the size of a Barbie doll, and that kid can survive. Who determines viability but God only? And that's the problem. People are stepping in, and they're pretending to be a God and make determinations for this great state. But we, the people, must know science. We must know what is ethical, and we must know what's biblical. 
And we just need to act on that trinity of truth. And Scott, if we do that, I think God's going to honor our efforts to do the right thing. But God help us if we sit silent. I agree, Jack. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Jack Hibbs. And Jack, another side of this, and in just the last uh, minute or two here we've got, is that California is also, and we're the only state, I believe, doing this, of 49. We are moving to um, bring people from other states where abortions might be restricted. Mm -hmm. All states, I think, they're restricted in this way, okay, Um, Mm -hmm. to come here and have abortions where taxpayers will pay for it, although we might be reimbursed by insurance and other things. What's the motive for that? Why why would taxpayers pay for people to have uh, these abortions done in our state? Yeah, well, number one, you're talking about SB 107. Number two, if taxpayers knew what Sacramento was doing with SB 107, they probably wouldn't allow it. That's right. And SB 107 is this. Again, Scott, your your listeners are going to think I'm nuts. If this bill passes in California, it's sitting on the governor's desk. If it sits long enough, it automatically goes into law. So here's the deal. If there's a 14-year-old girl, 14-year-old girl in Louisiana, she's pregnant, or she wants to have a gender alteration procedure, either surgically or by hormones. She wants to become a boy. She can run away from home without parental consent. She can leave home. She can get on a Greyhound bus or an airplane. California, I'll pay for it. Scott and I, we're going to pay for it. She's going to be put up here in the state. She's going to go through her process while her parents are calling the FBI, trying to find out where their daughter is, and She'll be in California having hormonal replacement to become a boy or, or something else, genital mutilation or surgery. And who in this state has ever thought that California or any state would pass a law that would reach its tentacles with its murderous agenda into 49 other states to tell a kid, hey, you want do you want to come to California? Yeah. It won't cost you a dime. Just sneak out of the house. Your parents don't need to know. This this is above and beyond parental notification. You don't have to say a word to them. Come on, we'll take care of you. There this are, is insane. This is insane. But this is this is going on. There is a attack on parents in all kinds of different uh, realms and different subjects. And maybe Jack will have you on another time to talk about uh, those issues a little bit further. People in California, if you're a voter, you're going to get your ballot in the mail in nine days or thereabouts. You'll be able to vote right away. Do not do not just toss that thing aside or think my vote doesn't count. It does count. There's no excuse for not voting in California right now. And if you're not registered, you can register all the way up till the 24th of October. Please do that. Um, Jack, for for Prop 1, for people maybe who just tuned in, can we explain it again just just very simply what does a yes vote mean for Prop 1? What does a no vote mean for Prop 1? And why are we asking people to vote no? Yes enshrines in the California state constitution that a baby can be murdered after birth, up to and after birth, undesignated time after birth. A no vote will kill it. A no vote sends a message where our state constitution will not be amended so that we do not enshrine abortion murder into our state law. And you can find out more about that and let everybody know by going to stopprop1.com. Stopprop1.com. 
And if people who think that this is too far, and clearly our reputation poll says so, uh, you must vote, as Scott is saying. You've got to register. You've got to vote. Don't sit it out. Don't sit this one out. Right. This is for everything. And you need to know, even if you're pro-choice, you're on that side, a no vote doesn't end abortion. It just keeps it the same as it right. is, and it keeps restrictions on the late-term abortions as they are currently in our state, and you need to know that. Pastor Jack Hibbs, thank you for being on our program today on Southern California Live. Thanks for what you're doing, my friend. Thank you, Scott. God bless you. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back. Stay tuned. This is the Monday edition of Southern California Live. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It's great to be with you today on this fantastic afternoon. As we have been saying, you know, we've been talking about election issues and mostly about Proposition 1. We've been talking about that a lot because even though you might be thinking the election is in November, November 8th, it's not correct. Your ballots come to you next week in the mail and early voting in California begins on October 10th. So actually, The election is next week, and so we need to be up to speed, especially on uh, the issue of abortion and uh, in California because of Prop 1, because it's on the ballot, and it does not, as they say, simply codify current California law into the state constitution. It actually eliminates third tri the the it actually eliminates the restrictions on third trimester abortions, where currently those are illegal in California unless the pregnancy is threatening the life and health of the mother. And polls show that 70 to 80 percent of Californians do not agree that late-term abortion should be legal without those restrictions. But that is what it's going to do. And so as voters, whatever side you're on even, this is not even pro-choice and pro-life in our state. Most voters would be opposed to Proposition 1. It goes against your will and it needs to be defeated. And people need to know about this now because they begin to vote already next week. So we've been talking about this issue quite a bit. And of course, it's you know, in California, it's it's not just about this proposition. This is something that goes on in, in people's lives all the time. And it is something that is, for a lot of people, deeply, obviously deeply personal. It's the taking of a life. It has effects on women and even men who are involved in abortion. And we need to speak the truth about it. And we need to understand what happens. And I think a lot of us don't really understand all of the fears that uh, a woman might be feeling. And there are different issues in different communities related to this, a lot of pressure, um, a lot that we need to understand. And this is an opportunity for us to have a really good conversation about this. So I have a special guest with us uh, right now on the Southern California Live program. Her name is Christina Bennett. She will be a featured speaker at the upcoming Unite for Life Festival that will be on the Santa Monica Pier this weekend, Saturday, October 8th. And it will also feature Lila Rose and and country singer Ray Lynn and many, many more, and including my guest, Christina Bennett. Christina is a national speaker and writer whose work has been featured in Live Action News, Life News, Charisma, and Life Sight News, among other publications. And her story is featured in the film Pro-Life Feminist, Still on That Journey and Here from Heaven. And she has had the honor of testifying for the pro-life cause in two congressional hearings. And uh, she is with us today on the program. Christina, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you on the air. You're in uh, in Connecticut, but you'll be coming out here for the uh, concert and program this weekend. I sure 
sure will. I'm flying six hours across the country to come to California. I'm very excited. Have you been here before? I have. Yes, I have been there for different events, and yeah. I was actually there last year for Unite for Life. All right. So this is the second annual um, Unite for Life Festival. Well, yes. you know, tell us a, a little bit more about your yourself. What are you What are you doing now? And then I'd love to hear what your story is, because you have a very powerful story. I think people need to hear it because you're not alone in your story. Thank you so much. Well, I am... I'm 40 years old. I'm an African-American woman. I'm married. Um, my husband and I just adopted a little boy through the foster care program. Oh. And I grew up in the state of Connecticut not knowing anything about abortion. It wasn't something that was ever talked about in any of the you know, mostly black churches that I went to. We never discussed it. And it was never talked about in my home. No one from my family you know, votes pro-life, so to say, mm-hmm. that language. I never heard that language growing up. I didn't know anything about the pro-life movement. But when I was in college, I was at a church service, and someone approached me and said, God wants you to know something remarkable happened around the time of your birth. And that was the message that was given to me by a stranger. And so I asked my mom, did anything remarkable happen, you know, around the time of my birth? And she got really quiet. Wow, that had to be powerful for your mom at that moment. (laughs) Yeah, she was scared. And (laughs) she looked at me and said, before you were born, I met an angel, and I don't want to talk to you about it. Hmm. And she's never said anything like that before. And so I didn't know what to do with it, but I was involved in college in this Christian group called Campus Crusade for Christ. And we did these, like, inner-city ministry events for the summer. So I went over... I think I was like in Kentucky somewhere working with the Boys and Girls Club and journaling and deciding that when I got back home, I was going to ask my mom, you know, tell me what you mean by that. And so I did. I got back home after the summer was over and I said, Mom, you know, please tell me, what do you mean by an angel before I was born? And she was really hesitant. She said, you'll hate me if I tell you. And I assured her, Mom, I would never hate you. And then she told me. She told me that she got pregnant with me when she wasn't married to my dad, which I knew. Mm. And she was pressured by my father to have an abortion. He already had two kids at the time from two different women, and he did not want a third child. And he put the pressure on really strong. It was a very toxic, unhealthy relationship. And she went to church trying to get help. She went to a mentor at church and said, I know that I you know, I shouldn't be having sex, but I'm, I'm pregnant, and I don't know what to do. And the mentor said, don't come back here, basically. She Wait, the mentor at, at the church said, uh, don't yes. come back here. Is that because she confessed to uh, having sex outside of marriage? Is that the reason? Right. Yeah, her exact words were, if you come back to this church, I will be the first person to put my foot in the door and not let you in. Wow. And this is, her, her, this is, her, this is her mentor. So this is somebody she looked up to, a leader in the church, perhaps. Right. Right, it was. Mm. Yeah, she grew up Catholic, but um, she was going to a Protestant church at this time. And this was someone that she looked up to. And the woman said to her, if you come back, I'll be the first person to put my foot in the door and not let you in. So she went by herself to Mount Sinai Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut, 1981. And she went by herself, and she met with a counselor in the hospital who was a pro-abortion counselor, who basically just took her money and said, well, this seems like the best decision for you to make, and that was the extent of her counseling. So there was no counsel of choices, other other choices she could make. No. 
that's, it's not anything like a pregnancy center. So no counseling about, you know, adoption or options or support or even are you in a healthy relationship? Yeah. Are you being pressured? Are you being, because really what's happening is this is a coerced abortion that was about to take place. And so there was no questions about that either. So your, mom, her, your mom wasn't getting support from her church and now not from the, the hospital either. Right. Uh, and I think that's important for people to to let that marinate for a second, because right. I think this is a typical, uh, this is not unusual. Exactly. And you have a, you know, you have a young black woman mm-hmm. who is in Hartford, which is, you know, an inner city area. Yes. And you have her you know, unmarried, and she's looking at this woman who is a counselor, and the counselor is saying back to her, this seems like the best decision for you to make. Hmm. But what is she basing that on? Right. You know, she's probably basing that on her circumstances, this woman's ideas about what kind of child she might have or if she should have that child. And it's actually really scary to think about how she was making this decision and this woman was really applauding her and encouraging her based on just circumstances which can change in a moment. Yeah. So what happens next? So she is not getting help from her church. She did not right. get any advice that was helpful from the counselor at the hospital. What'd she do next? So what happens next is God breaks in in a miraculous way, and the counselor tells her to go into the waiting room and to wait for the abortionist to call her name. And she's in a white hospital gown. And, and between, this is the, this is the same hospital where she went for the counseling. Yeah, so because it was it was it wasn't really counseling. They call it counseling, but it right. was really just affirming your abortion decision. Right. But it was the same place, and some probably because it was the eighties, they might have been required by law at the time. Yeah. They're probably not anymore in Connecticut, but they might have been required to have someone talk to her for a couple seconds so they could say that they offered counseling, even though they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so it was one room, and then the abortion doctor's office was in another room, and there was a hallway in between. And so she was just told to go into the waiting room and wait for her name to be called. Now, in that moment, when she was walking in the hallway, she stopped, and she sat on the floor to just kind of cry and get herself ready to go through the abortion. And in that moment, there was an elderly black janitor, a female janitor, who saw her crying, and she walked right up to her, and she lifted up her chin, looked her in the eyes, and said, do you want to have this baby? And my mom said that when she looked at this janitor, her eyes were like pools of water, and my mom said, yes, yes. And this woman said, God will give you the strength to have this baby. And she began to walk away. My mom said she looked my mother looked down, my mother looked up, and she was surprised that she was already gone. She thought she would have been like maybe midway through the hallway, but she was gone. So she walked into the room, the doctor did call her name, and she walked into his office, and he had blood on the floor from the last abortion. Wow. Which is just so disgusting. Yeah, so he shocking. hadn't even cleaned up the blood from the last abortion, and she, I think she needed to see that, honestly. I think mm. that that was just what she needed to see in that moment to give her the extra courage to say to him, I'm leaving, I want to keep my baby. And when she said, I'm leaving, I want to keep my baby, he said, you've already paid for this. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show you where his mindset was. That's right. And then when she said again, I want to keep my baby, he said, you're just nervous, you can get through this. 
and she resisted that, and then he just yelled at her. He actually said to her, don't leave this room. And she ran out of the room, and this was 1981, so she went down, she got her stuff, she, you know, she went downstairs, she called my dad on the payphone, and she told him that she had not gone through the abortion. They decided to get married. Their relationship was so toxic that their marriage only lasted one year, mm. and then she hid it in her heart. And she was determined to never tell a soul. She would have never told me. She had no plans to tell me. But when I came to her and said, Mom, did anything remarkable happen around the time of my birth? She knew that that was what I was asking about. Yeah. And even though she waited a couple months because she didn't want to tell me, I think she felt God telling her, you, you need to share this. And that changed my entire life. That changed everything for me. Everything changed after that moment. That is, um, it's an incredible story. You're, and Thank clearly, you. clearly God is working. I think those moments, you know, you mentioned earlier that uh, an angel visited. Is it the janitor, the angel that you're referring to? Yes. Yeah. Yes. My mom, it was a janitor. And my mom believes that she was an angel because of the fact that her eyes were pools of water and she didn't see her when she left, but only God really knows. Right. But either way, whether whoever she was, she was the messenger to speak truth to my mom when she needed it the most. That's right. That is a, that's a powerful story. We've got to take a break, and uh, Christina Bennett is our guest. And uh, when we return, we'll hear a little bit more about how that impacted your life. And uh, you can tell us more about what we need to know, I think, about, I think, Christina, there's a lot going on in the abortion world that I think we just don't talk about. We're not real comfortable talking yeah. about it, right? Right. And right. that's, I Absolutely. think, a, a big part of the problem. So we we got to take a break. We'll be right back with your story. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Christina Bennett. And uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Thanks for being with us. My guest is Christina Bennett, and uh, Christina has been telling her story. Christina is a news correspondent for uh, live action, and uh, she will be featured at the Unite for Life Festival that is this Saturday at at uh, 4.30 in the afternoon at Santa Monica Pier. I'll give you some information about how to connect with um, that organization and that festival. It's going to feature Lila Rose, Ray Lynn, Country Star, and many others, including our guest, Christina Bennett. Uh, Christina, you just shared with us in the last segment your your powerful testimony about how we believe that the Lord intervened through a, a janitor at a hospital, either we think maybe an angel or maybe that was that person's ministry right in that hospital to prevent your mom from getting an abortion, which would have ended your life. Um, you didn't know about this story until you were, what, a college student? Right, until I was in my early 20s is when I found out that I was once scheduled to die through abortion. Yeah, so how did that impact your life? What happens next? When I found that story out, I cried. My mom mm. told me, and then she left the house, and I cried. And I understood that God had rescued my life and that he had saved me, and that I was voiceless, but he heard my voice. Like the psalmist says, that God reached down from on high and delivered me because he delighted in me. And what came next was me just trying to understand what abortion was and how it impacted people because, again, I had never 
heard a message about it and I didn't really know a lot about it, I, I wasn't sexually active. I waited until I was married, so I wasn't thinking about it for myself. And I also was just used to the Connecticut law, which is you can get an abortion and you don't have to even tell your parents. And mm. so I would see friends do that in high school, you know, get an abortion and not tell their parents. But I didn't have any understanding as to what was happening. And so I began to talk to women. And when I did, I heard the most devastating stories, women who would tell me that they took the abortion pill and that they passed their child in a toilet, women that would tell me that they remembered the pain from 20, 30 years ago. Then I began diving deeper into learning about the history, particularly me being a black woman, learning about Planned Parenthood and how their founder believed in eugenics and population control and wanting to limit the population of the black mm. community. I was just floored learning about her Negro project and how she targeted communities of color to push birth control and then later, of course, abortion as a means to just reduce our population. And the more I learned, the more I understood that this was the civil rights, the human rights issue of my day, mm. and that I had to devote my life to fighting for it. And so that was in my early 20s. I'm 40 now. I never looked back. And that's still the same today, wouldn't you say, in particular yeah. with the African-American community? I had an experience. I was in Washington, D.C. I was taking the subway everywhere because they do that well in that town. Yep. And the, I was there for a pastor's conference, and the conference itself was in a church that was in a predominantly black neighborhood. And I went, but I, I toured the city. I hadn't been there before, and I went through all the tours and everything, and then I went to the conference. And something I noticed is that when I got off the subway in that neighborhood, the advertisement for abortions were everywhere. Oh, wow. And, and yep. I didn't see those advertisements in any other subway station anywhere else in the city except in that neighborhood. And that was the first time I realized this is targeting a particular community. Oh, it absolutely is, and it's infuriating. It, yeah. it's, it's marketing, it's targeting, and Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, they do it well, and they've done it since Margaret Sanger's Negro Project, and making people believe that, you know, you need abortion. You need abortion because you're dealing with, you know, um, poverty, or you're dealing with crisis, or social justice issues, or inequalities, and so mm. abortion is this answer, and they dangle it like a carrot you know, over us, telling us that this is going to bring us some type of freedom, and it does not. Over 16 million black lives have died, babies have died because of abortion just since 1973 alone, not to mention, you know, over 60-plus million lives in general, you know, in America, not yeah. to mention the global, you know, deaths that we've experienced. And so abortion is the number one cause of death in the black community. And when I learned that truth, I knew that I had to speak up. And I began to meet other black pro-lifers. I joined the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. And I met others who, too, wanted to raise their voices. And we've been crying out ever since because we want to see lives saved. Yeah. What do we, you know, we, in our last couple of minutes, what is the, what's the best step to turning this around, to informing people and to helping people really see um, what's happening here? Because I think people still don't really like to talk about it, but we've got to talk about it. Well, you have to expose what's really happening. Of course, I would say prayer. Prayer is one of the most important things you can do. But then also let people see what's going on. Live action, we have so many videos. We have undercover videos where we sent people into abortion clinics to expose the lying and the cheating and the manipulating. We have videos with abortion doctors, former abortion doctors, who are telling you what really happens during a procedure. And we have graphic animated images that you mm -hmm. can watch, and they're not 
you can watch them. They're not too intense to watch. Um, we're careful with how we you know, produce them and make them. But they allow you to really see what's going on because so many people, when, when they hear abortion, they also hear reproductive justice, reproductive freedom, a woman's right to choose. And all those things sound great. But right. then when you actually look and you see a video, you see the animated video, or you listen to a former abortion doctor tell you that they're dismembering a baby and they're pulling the pieces apart and then they're putting the pieces on the table to make sure they have the arm and the leg and the heart. So otherwise a woman's going to have an infection if you leave an arm or a leg inside of her. When you actually see what abortion is, it is frightening. Yeah, the website you're talking about is the website for the uh, group that you're a correspondent for. It's called liveaction.org, liveaction.org. And uh, the videos are well done. I've watched some of those, and people change their mind on this subject right after watching the video, right? They do, because so many people like myself are uneducated, and so you have an idea of what abortion is, but then when you actually see it, you say, oh, wow, that's killing a human being, and that's wrong. And and so they, right on the street, when we show them the video, they will have a change of heart and change of mind. So I would tell people who are listening, you know, go to live action, go to go online. I'm online. I'm a black pro-life woman is my Instagram account. You can find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, and share content. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. And then show up. Show up at the abortion clinic. Show up at the Unite for Life rally on Saturday. Show up and pray. Talk to your pastors. Talk to your leaders. Talk to everyone you know, because all of those things make a difference. And, of course, show up at the polls, you know, and vote against uh, abortion expansion in California through Prop 1. So all those things make a difference. And I want people to know that uh, I know there are many people listening who have had abortions and who this conversation is extra difficult for. Um, we want to encourage you to realize that the Lord loves you and that Jesus died on the cross for everything that people do, and, yes. he, and he loves you, and your sins are forgiven, and maybe your life, just like Christina's, is impacted through this, and you can help. And Live Action, actually, when you go to their website, liveaction.org, uh, there's a help section, and uh, there's help for you on that website. Um, yes. You know, and that's, that's really important. Uh, Christina, before we go, tell us about Saturday. What will you be doing at the, uh, the Live Action concert on Saturday, Unite for Life? Well, I will be speaking at Unite for Life, probably telling my testimony and sharing some other things, as well as being with these amazing musicians. Like you mentioned, Ray Lynn's a country singer. We've got Juan Day. She's a, she's a Christian hip-hop artist. We have someone from Hillsong. And we're going to have just a phenomenal time. We are going to declare truth and life over Santa Monica at the pier. It's going to be fun. It's going to be intense. And we just hope that everyone can come. Bring your whole family and, and just let people know this is a great event to, to invite your pro-choice friends to because there are certain things where, you know, you invite your pro-choice friend, hey, come with me to pray in front of an abortion clinic. They might say no and be scared. But if you invite them, hey, come with me to the Santa Monica Pier, and we're going to listen to some music, and we're going to hear a, a affirming, life-affirming message, hmm. and that would be something they'd yeah. be interested in. It'll be it really great. Eyes. You can find yeah. that at UniteForLifeFestival.com, UniteForLifeFestival.com. It's the Saturday, October 8th at the Santa Monica Pier, 4.30 in the afternoon. Christina Bennett, thank you for being with us on Southern California Live today. Oh, it was my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing. God bless you. God bless you, too. It's a powerful, powerful story. Christina Bennett, look her up online. You can find her at liveaction.org and more information there. This is Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I will talk with you soon. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.